0: Uh, friends and neighbors uh, to come to that special service next Sunday morning or next Sunday night uh, for a children's program as well Um, a guy took his uh, very blonde girlfriend to her first football game they had great seats right behind the team's bench, and after the game, he asked her how she liked it. Oh, I really liked it, she said, but I couldn't understand why they were killing each other over 25 cents. <laughs> Dumbfounded, the, the boyfriend asked, what do you mean? Well, she said, they flipped a coin, one team got it, And for the rest of the game, everyone kept yelling, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. (laughs) And she's like, hello, it's only 25 cents. So it's important, as that illustration so aptly shows, it's important to have a clear understanding of things when we're talking about something that we're talking about the, the same thing. Last week, I started just a short two-week series on the ministry of elders, and last week we looked at qualifications for elders. This week is going to focus more on the ministry of elders. What does the New Testament say that elders are for? What are they to do? And uh, there are five areas that we'll touch on today that elders are to shepherd, guard, teach, pray, and lead. And... All those five areas are really kind of overlapping. You, you can't do one without the other four, really. Uh, and so, in fact, we could probably summarize them all under the first point, to shepherd the church. But because there are some differences, some distinctions in those five, we'll handle them separately. And not only is uh, it good for us to, to know in, in terms of our present study and... Uh, desire to understand what eldership is more clearly, but also in a um, thinking about this coming year, you will likely be calling another pastor to come uh, join the team here, the staff at Martinsdale Community Church, and these are the kinds of things you need to keep in mind uh, for that as well, so I think it's, uh, it's a timely message in both ways is for our current study as well as what's coming down the road first of all if you if you turn to first peter chapter five elders are to shepherd the church first peter five and we'll look at the first four verses The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So this is particularly addressed to the elders who are among the church that uh, these letters of Peter are going to. And here's his admonition First of all, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. The word shepherd there is in the imperative it is a command shepherd the flock of God notice that it is the flock of God the it's not the flock of the elders it's not the flock of the board or it's the flock of God it the the church body the sheep they belong to God shepherd the flock of God which is among you and then he gives uh, five ways of doing that we'll just look at briefly first of all serving as overseers or giving oversight so the the elders are to shepherd by providing oversight for the flock secondly we're told that this is to be done not by compulsion but willingly that is not to if a person feels like they're forced to do it then then uh they do not have a desire for the office anyways, and so it should be one that they don 't they 're not compelled to do, but they they do open heartedly willingly they desire really to serve the flock thirdly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly uh, It was a problem in the in the early church where where people could gain positions of authority and um, hope to be Uh, renumerated for that in some way but it was not to be for dishonest gain that's not the purpose of it but to do it eagerly again Uh, 4th verse 3 says nor as being lords over those entrusted to you Uh, it reminds me of, of Jesus' statement in Matthew 20 you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he says, verse 3, Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. Not lording it over, not, not ruling as the Gentiles do, but ruling rather as servants, as being a servant leader. And nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. It is the flock of God and we as elders recognize that, they, that the flock is just entrusted to our care and we shall give an account for that. And then fifth but being examples to the flock. So shepherding involves leading by example. uh, uh, Elders are to shepherd the church. Um, In John 21, after the resurrection, when Jesus was restoring Peter, who had denied Christ three times, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And each time he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said Lord you know I love you. The first time Jesus said then feed my lambs. Jesus asked him a second time Peter do you love me? Peter said Lord you know I love you and Jesus said tend my sheep. The third time Jesus asked him Peter do you love me and Peter said Lord you know all things You, you know that I love you and Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Jesus is telling us, as especially as leaders, as elders, if you love me, you will tend my sheep, feed my lambs. So taking care of the sheep, feeding them, especially with teaching, is shepherding. Go to Acts twenty, verse twenty-eight. <clears throat> Acts 20:28 20, Paul is addressing the elders at Ephesus and he says Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So the elders are to take heed to themselves, that is, guard their own lives, first of all, guard their lives and take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, being responsible for every sheep in the fold. Take heed to yourselves among, and all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers elders shepherd because the Holy Spirit authorizes them to and places them in a the position to calls them to shepherd. This is, uh, this is not an administrative position. It is first and foremost a spiritual position given by the Holy Spirit among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is not something that a, a man Promotes himself too, but he responds to the prompting, leading of the Holy Spirit who gives a desire to serve as an elder, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God. Again, to serve as a shepherd and and remembering it belongs to the Lord our God. In fact, he purchased it with his own blood. So the, the first ministry of elders is to shepherd the church. Secondly, to guard the church. While we're here in Acts 20, let's back up a bit to verse 17. We're going to read the context of verse 28 going from 17 through 32. Because here Paul gives an example of his own ministry of how he he shepherded and guarded... The the folks there at Ephesus and the charge he gives into the elders to guard the church as well. Starting at verse 17, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, "You know, from the first day that I came it to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility." With tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying to Jews and also Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a summary of Paul's message. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why, why could Paul say he was innocent of the blood of all men? Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And that the duty of of elders is not to pick and choose passages or topics but to declare the whole counsel of God and something that we try to do here through from the pulpit as well as in our ABF and Sunday school classes is to fully cover the word of God and to try to faithfully declare that to you therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the holy spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Now here comes the warning and the charge to guard the church. As, as Paul had himself. For I know this. That after my departure savage wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. And so continuing on with this imagery of a, of a sheepfold. Paul is saying there are going to be savage wolves that, that come in. There, and they are not going to spare anyone also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves not only is there the problem of people coming from outside in but perhaps even people among you will rise up and want to draw disciples after themselves therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an an inheritance among all all those who are being sanctified. So, Paul is challenging the the elders to to guard the flock, knowing that savage wolves will will come. They have to be on guard, and, and he commends them to God and to the Grace and those things relying on God and His Word is, is what fortifies, enables the elders to stand guard on behalf of the flock. Uh, go to Second Timothy chapter four. Verse one and two. So Second Timothy four. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching it's a charge that Paul is giving Timothy and the elders that he is to uh, uh, raise up as we saw in 1st Timothy 3 last week this is a serious matter they charge us with before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge all things preach the word this this word is the the only book God ever wrote, it is, it is the only word that is guaranteed by God to work effectively in the hearts of people. And we don't share our own opinions, which are really worth very little. It, the only opinion that ever matters is God's opinion, right? And he gives his Opinion, his decision here in his word. And so this is the only textbook that we have, only guide that we have. So elders are exhorted to proclaim the, the word and to be ready in season and out of season, that is at all times, to, and to convince and rebuke and exhort. And that is, it's not just to give good feelings about yourself that this word is for but it is used even to convict people and convince them of the truth and perhaps even rebuke with all long suffering and teaching now the elders are to shepherd the church and part of that shepherding is guarding but another part is also teaching as the end of this verse verse says with all long suffering or patience and teaching and so <clears throat> the, the third area of ministry of elders is to teach the church as we saw last week in the qualifications for elders in 1st Timothy chapter 3 that one of the qualifications is that, that they would be able to teach and what's remarkable about that one qualification is it's the only one that has anything to do with um, function all the rest of them have to do with character but this one because it is so integral to what being an elder is about they they need to be able to to proclaim the word of god to teach it not necessarily to to preach it like this but to be able to share with others whether it's one-on-one or small groups or larger groups to be able to uh, to proclaim the word of god Uh, first timothy 3 2 is where we saw that but Uh, Let's go to 1 Timothy 5.17. So elders are to be able to teach. It's so important to the ministry of elders to be able to share what God's word says doesn't say that they are to be dynamic teachers but just able to teach. Well, we see that 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 function is also elevated in 1 Timothy 5:17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Now I believe that this This verse uh, elevates the teaching role of elders. It is, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. So the word especially is the idea of um, out of a larger group, you focus on a particular group. Uh, look how that very same Greek word is used in verse 8 earlier here in the same chapter. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially those for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So if anyone does not provide for his own, that is the, the larger group of people who might be considered under his care or for whom he should care, and especially that is particularly those of his own household. So see how it narrows down from a, a larger group to a subgroup, particularly, especially. and that's what this verse is doing, uh, verse seventeen, and how that word I believe is being used, that there are <clears throat> let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially of those elders the particular group or elders particularly those who labor in the word and doctrine now this has led some to uh, surmise that perhaps there's even a, a, a distinction of elders a different kind or level of elders and I think that's kind of right I think that as I, as I said last week the, the New Testament doesn't distinguish a pastor from an elder they're, they're the same word really it's, uh, it's the same office and yet I think there is room and this verse seems to indicate that within the, the group of elders the plurality the, the group of elders there are some who will will function primarily in laboring in the word and teaching and uh, those may be called teaching elders. Some churches do that. In, in fact, instead of having a, uh, what they call a, a pastor, a senior pastor or something, they will call that position a teaching elder, um, w- which I think is, is, a, is a good way to look at it. Um, notice also that the, the ruling is related to the teaching. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. What does it mean to rule well? And the word rule here could also be translated lead, so yours may say it that way. Um, Well, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. So I think the one of the primary ways that leadership is given is through sharing the Word of God, saying, This is what God's word says. Elders don't lead, again, by sharing their own opinion or something. It's by making clear, here's what God's word says. This is the way, walk ye in it. And so I think the leading is is related to teaching. Now, um, double honor, what's that about? Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those, or particularly those, who labor in the word of God and doctrine or or teaching well it's uh, quite possible and I believe it is true here in this case that this idea of double honor has to do with payment In fact that the word translated double honor here or just honor is um, sometimes uh, means price like a, a payment price sometimes even translated precious as the idea of putting a valuation on something uh, it's Greek word "timane." if your Greek students are following that uh, worthy of double honor well I, I think in the context here that is talking about uh, so financially supporting those who labor, <clears throat> who labor in teaching the word there are several reasons why Uh, first of all based on the word itself at least allows for that understanding it doesn't demand it but allows it but if you look at the context before uh, going back to verse 3 honor widows who are really widows now what does it mean to honor widows in the context that we're going to look at here it means to financially support them to honor them but if any widow has children or grandchildren. Let them first learn to show piety at home. And to repay their parents. So you see it has to do with payment. To repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow. And left alone. trusts in God. And continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for his own household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever so if a, if a family has a, a, a widow uh, say uh, their, their mother is a widow and they do, do not provide for them then Paul said that's a pretty serious matter Verse 9, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported of good works and so forth. Well, be brought into the number, the number of what? The, the number of widows who are being financially supported by the church. You have to remember back at this time, there was no such thing as, as Medicare or Social Security or any other kind of way of providing for a widow, they were totally dependent on their families, and so it was really a disgrace for a family to not take care of a an elderly widow who had no means of support otherwise and and so this is talking about financially taking care of them. so the verse three honor widows who are truly widows that doesn't mean that they are just lost their husband, but that they are meet certain requirements an age requirement and a godliness requirements serving the church and that sort of thing now that's the same term used later on in verse 17 let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor so given the how that word is used just before it makes sense that the way it would be used in verse 17 has to do with payment as well but to seal the deal is verse 18 The very, the first, the verse, following verse 17, which says to, they're worthy of double honor. Verse 18 says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. I don't know how much I like that first illustration. You shall not muzzle an ox, but... You know, the idea is that while it's working for you doing this for you you don't uh, uh, withhold from it what it needs and the laborer is worthy of his wages all of this to say that I not only is the teaching role um, a prominent one among the elders they are to be able to teach but there are those among the elders whose um, position it is to especially labor in word and doctrine and in situations like ours I'm an elder but I get paid to do this because um, I I uh, spend my time preparing the messages and ministering to the flock and studying the word and so forth and it being paid frees me up you, you're generous giving and support of me pays me enables me to minister the word and i think it's an appropriate thing to do and in fact you uh you pay me probably better than you ought to given the return you get for your funds but uh you're very generous and i appreciate that but uh again th- See how it highlights the need for the teaching aspect of the ministry of elders Now, look at Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy two: 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. So, as a servant of the Lord, um, elders are not to be quarrelsome in their teaching. It's not argumentative or um, uh, quarreling with people, but being gentle to all, speaking the truth in love is the idea here, I believe being gentle to all. Remember how Philippians 4, 5, Paul said, let your gentleness be made known to all. Again, able to teach. Uh, this is the second time that that phrase appears in Scripture. It, it is only found twice, 1 Timothy 3 and 2 Timothy two twenty four. 24. Here's the only places where able to teach occur but it's an important term again and so we know in this context it's probably talking specifically about elders since they are to be able to teach to, and to be patient as they do so. Um, verse 25 In humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So elders teach with, with uh, humility and uh, gently praying that God will bring understanding to the other person uh, we don't try to force our understanding into someone else's heart or mind it's something we can't do but we, we believe that God is able to and if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may come to know the truth and that's that's the desire verse 26 and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will again why it is so important to teach this is not just a matter of of people gaining insight and understanding and maybe growing in some um, biblical knowledge it's not about that it's, it's so that the, they can come to the truth and escape the snare of the devil. It's, there's a spiritual battle going on and, and only by really understanding and applying the word can we live in God's ways. Titus 1, the very next book. Titus 1, 5 says uh, for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you so here's another list of qualifications for elders similar uh, very similar to 1 Timothy 3 but what I want to point out in particular is verse 9 uh, in relation to the need for teaching holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught That he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So an elder needs to be able to hold fast to the word as he has been taught. So the the elder himself is one who is teachable and in fact has been taught. And he holds fast that word that he might be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convict those who contradict. Now, finally in this area, go to Acts chapter 6. Now, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, <clears throat> there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the, the Hellenists, or the Greek-speaking uh, members of the church, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. The, as the food was being given out, bread given to everyone and so forth, they were being neglected for some reason. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they, they chose the seven and, and put them before the apostles. Now, uh, notice that uh, for one thing the church as a body selected these men who would become deacons and then the elders appointed them so the elders retained uh, final say or control or leading leadership over this but they involved the entire flock and so there's a, um, a mutual Uh, responsibility here between the flock and the elders for consultation and working together to make these kinds of decisions but what I particularly want to point out here is uh, verse 2 and 4 so this problem arises and the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said that is they they assembled the whole church here's their response we can't do it is not desirable for us to leave the Word of God and serve tables. It's not that elders couldn't serve tables or shouldn't or they're too high and noble to be able to serve tables. It's that there is something else that they need to do. And if they do that, if they serve tables, they won't be able to do that. And that is the Word of God. It's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God yes this was an important problem in the church and something needed to be done but the elders needed to continue in the word of God and so they say in verse 4 but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word so they came up with another solution the the first deacons to take care of the, the problem of the administration of things within the church but they said we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and so the the ministry of the the word again is uh, prominent but also the area of prayer so that's our our fourth area the elders are to um, and this is part of shepherding the flock is praying for them we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the word. And uh, an example of uh, how elders are involved in prayer besides daily prayer and so forth is James chapter 5. And it's uh, it's true that elders ought to be praying for the flock and and, uh, our elders do, we have... uh, in fact divided the congregation up into families that each elder has particular oversight of to, to pray for them on a regular basis and so forth um, we pray for you as we come together in our meetings um, and I'm sure there's much praying going on individually and then as we meet with you and so forth but here in James 5 is a, a particular kind of praying that's going on uh, that involves the elders James 5 Starting at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? And the idea of being sick here is more than just uh, suffering, as in verse 13, maybe having a cold or flu or something, but being sick, uh, uh, sick to the point of discouragement in fact that word sick does not mean simply ill it's the idea of being uh, very discouraged maybe a person who's gone through a long term illness or um, maybe facing terminal illness or or something like that an ongoing kind of very serious sickness is anyone among you sick here's what they are to do let him call for the elders of the church And then what are they to do? What are the elders to do? And let them pray over him. So the elders come together as a group and pray for this individual, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And uh, I've done this a number of times and uh, anointing with oil and praying for someone and the oil has no medicinal qualities and no mystical qualities to it. It's not that the oil does anything. It's merely symbolic. And uh, the elders pray, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then what happens? And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Not save in the sense of saving their soul, but saving uh, from their their illness, the word save there can mean make whole or rescue. The, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. You see, ultimately, God is the faith healer, right? God is the one who is able to do it. And uh, I have seen him over and over again work in people's lives and do dramatic things. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Which um, probably is intended to communicate to us that it could be that the reason for the deep sickness that a person has is related to sin in their life. Now remember, that doesn't always mean the case. Remember John 9, the the man who was born blind and the disciples wanted to know who sinned this, this man or his parents that he was born blind and, and Jesus said neither one but so that you might see the glory of God so it's not always related to sin but it might be and so that's something always to be addressed in fact verse 16 says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So the the elders have a particular ministry of prayer in addition to the ongoing, normal, daily ministry of prayer. And finally, to lead the church, which is the idea of overseeing. Um, And we've seen this in 1 Timothy 3 and... uh, 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well. So the idea of, of ruling or leading is part of the elders' responsibility. Now, I, I want to go to Acts 15 because it shows us a, a great example in the early church of how it worked out for them. And I think helps to serve as a, a model for us of both the leadership of the elders and inclusion of the congregation in the decision-making. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, first of all, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved therefore when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them that's a kind way of saying they had a knock down drag out fight about this they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question so where were they to go? back to the home church so to speak to Jerusalem where the apostles the majority of the apostles were still assembled and the elders and go to the elders about this question so being sent on their way by the church so you see the it's not just their decision but the church is involved here too the church is sending them to talk to the, the apostles and elders so they being sent by the church pass through Phoenicia and Samaria describing the conversion of the Gentiles and they caused great joy to all the brethren And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. So they come to Jerusalem. They meet not just with the apostles and elders, but they report to the whole church. So everyone's involved. But now when they come down to dealing with the issue, does a person have to be circumcised to be saved? That's the main question being addressed here now verse 6 now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter and we don't have apostles anymore today they they died off of the first century church those original apostles but what took their place in terms of leadership in the church were the elders we have ongoing elders so here the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter it wasn't the whole church who made the decision or considered it the, the elders the leaders came together and considered it um, now this involved a, a number of different ones of them in particular verse 7 uh, and when there had been much dispute Peter rose up and said men and brethren you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe and so Peter uh, gives some of his testimony and then in verse 12. It's Paul and Barnabas. Verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent. And listened to Paul. Uh, excuse me, Barnabas and Paul. Declaring how many miracles and wonders. God had worked through them. Among the Gentiles. Then verse 13. It's a James turn. And after they had become silent. James answered saying. Men and brethren. Listen to me. And uh, James gives his perspective. On things. So we have. Peter and Barnabas and Paul and James specifically spoken of as addressing the group. Uh, Now jump down to verse 19. Still James speaking here in verse 19. He says, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. But that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders, along with the whole church, to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And so... Uh, the elders came together discussed the matter they came to a conclusion it it pleased not only the apostles and the elders but they evidently shared it with the whole church who concurred they agreed with it and they decided to send a delegation out um, and uh, to give this good news that you don't need to be circumcised to be saved uh, we pick up the story in Acts 16 verse 4 where um, Paul is going out and others and verse 4 says as, and as they went through the cities they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. And so the, the elders determined the course of action. They made the decision but evidently they shared this decision with the church which concurred with them now I don't know what would have happened if the church said no we don't like that we want to do something else but it was evidently uh, from the Holy Spirit that they came to this decision because there was a uh, unity not only with the elders who agreed on this but the church there at Jerusalem as well but it's as it's given out it's said this was determined by the elders the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So we see there's a there's a kind of um, uh, dual role here. the The elders provide the leadership. They seek to decide matters, and certainly that's what happens among our elders. We we meet together and we discuss issues that are brought up by. Uh, people in the congregation, sometimes different ministry groups have a question, or sometimes we, as we're thinking about moving forward, have a question. It comes up, it's brought to the group, and we decide together, we make a decision together, often after extended periods of of discussion and research, we may research something for several months, searching the scriptures, praying about it, trying to come to a decision and uh, and then, if it's something that involves the whole church we We let you know, we we inform you here's how we since God has led us, and there are times when there are things which we believe that we need congregational input for or support on uh, for instance, the budget is a yearly thing that we bring before you. That's not necessarily a spiritual matter, but it's an important matter that we we work on for two or three months and bring before you but uh it takes congregational approval to enact that so there, there are times when um, the congregation is a part of especially big decisions and this was a humongous decision by the early church I mean were they going to require people from then on to be circumcised in order to be saved and or to keep the law in order to be saved and so certainly they needed to involve the whole church but the elders are the one who take the lead and uh, decide the matters. Uh, finally, Hebrews chapter thirteen. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hebrews thirteen seven. <clears throat> Remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Let's, let's stop there. First of all. Remember those. Or keep in mind. Think about. Those who have. Uh, who rule over you. Or the word lead. Would be a good translation of rule. Who, have, who lead you. Or have led you. Um, remember those who have led you. And who have spoken the word of God to you. I think is. To demonstrate how they lead who have spoken the word of God to you they led you by speaking the word of God to you now the next two phrases are switched in some translations mine says whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct and other translations I know put those two backwards or the other way around at least uh, but there are two things to consider one is considering the outcome of their conduct the idea of consider there is to examine closely Uh, so look at the lives of the elders examine them closely and this is uh, one of the reasons why character is such an important issue in qualifications for eldership because an elder's life is is supposed to be examined closely and uh, it's not a fun thing to be in that position uh, but examine their life and consider the outcome of their conduct and follow their faith imitate their faith again the importance of leading by example follow their faith imitate that kind of faith and then uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. So first of all obey those who who rule over you or who lead you. Obey them. What you as a congregation are called to do is obey. You've seen what the what the elders are to do they are to shepherd the flock and to guard and to teach and to pray and to lead and you are to obey it's, what's interesting to me is, uh, I, or ironic is how uh, sometimes there will be men in the church who fully understand Ephesians 5:22, wives obey your husbands and be submissive to them they like that that's a good thing but they're not so fond of, as a man, obey your elders. Obey your leaders. And be submissive to them. It's the same thing. And this is not something that elders can coerce out of you. This is something that you as, as sheep yield up. Just as in a marriage, a husband doesn't force his wife to obey him that would be a very bad relationship but but by giving loving leadership if she knows that he is putting her first and uh, truly loving her it makes it easy for her to follow his lead and to submit to that and that's how I believe it should be in a church that, that elders are to so shepherd the flock of God and to love the sheep and minister to them and look out for their best interest always that it makes it easy for the, the sheep to submit to that and to follow that lead and that's the idea here so obey those who lead you or rule over you and be submissive why? why? For they watch out for your souls. Again, th- this is not just an administrative office or something. This is a, an eternal spiritual um, issue. They watch out for your souls. As those who must give account. The elders in this church are going to give an account one day to God for you for your soul for your spiritual well-being we are held accountable today and will ultimately in the last day have to give an account for you that is a heavy responsibility (laughs) one that we take seriously as those who must give an account and let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. <clears throat> Don't give them grief about their, their leadership and, and so forth. Let them do so with joy. It ought to be a, a joy to shepherd the flock and... And when we are um, ministering to one another in the way that we should, then, then that is indeed how it is. Let them do so with joy. because that's, that's really, that would be unprofitable for you if it was with grief. <clears throat> it's bad all around, basically. But it's great when it's with joy. <laughs> now, just in closing, I want to remind you of Colossians 1.18 who's the head of the church the pastor right I have a a bad translation I guess there no Christ is Colossians 1 18 says that Christ is head of the body the church he's the head of the church that in all things all things he might have the preeminence meaning first place and that's the goal of all of us. Elders, shepherds, sheep alike. Is that we listen to the head. We listen to Christ. And we, we desire to give him first place in all things. That's the bottom line for us, isn't it? That we want Christ exalted in all things. And may that truly be what happens here. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, your direction on these matters concerning elders and you have raised up and called certain men to serve you in this uh, very particular area to shepherd your flock as under shepherds always remembering that you are the chief shepherd and we pray that God you would certainly be glorified among us as as you work in our lives in Jesus name we pray amen